Blog Talk Radio. Real quick before we start, 
something that's been weighing a little bit heavy on my heart in regard to the prayer vigil program and um, the direction it may or may not head or I don't know. But I wanted to get this out there just in case things do continue to get um, a lot worse, a lot faster um, than maybe a lot of us anticipate. Now, the, I, I, my expectation, praise Jesus, thank you, Father, is that things are going to get worse, but they may not get worse as fast as many of us believe they will. Now, the reason I believe that is probably likely, thank you, Jesus, is that otherwise I, I struggle to understand how the prophetic word of Jesus when he said, as in the days of Noah, they will be giving and taking in marriage. So if the darkness continues to get darker faster and faster and faster, um, a little bit too fast, if you will, it would wake up a lot of people. And then, you know, it's almost like in order for the as in the days of in that particular part of as in the days of Noah prophetic word for that to come true, it can increase and it can get intense, more and more intense every time. But it has to be slow enough that people will not stop their daily routine as a general rule, except for the people that decide they're going to be like the Thessalonians in uh, the second letter. All right, praise God, um, which would be someone who is, or perhaps many people that are awake, or to some degree, and do realize that we're pretty close, and then they get freaked out, and like Thessalonians did, and ultimately um, forget. At least in in our situation, we have the guidance of Paul and his letter to know that we need to be watching for the emergence of the Antichrist. Now, you could say that we already know who the Antichrist is because of Obama and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. Um, But it would have to be a manifestation of the Antichrist in such a fashion that maybe not all Christians, but a good number of them would go, you know, they would have an aha moment. Uh, aha moment, praise God. You would have to th- you have to think just by reading the Second Thess- Thessalonians two, you would have to believe with all of your heart that it would be the vast majority of Christians worldwide. All right, praise God. So anyway, um, I just wanted to share that with you. And the other thing I wanted to share was, as if things, you know, let's say for example. As the Russian, if you will, special operation continues, let's say it continues for now three more months or something like that, and then and then we continue to have the intensity of the threats from the West, which we know are trying to manipulate and create the new world order, the global reset. Give it whatever name you want to call it, Donald Duck, if you want. It's it's ultimately preparing the world for the Great Tribulation. Rise of the Fourth Reich, if you prefer. That's what I called the title of the article that I wrote about the days that we are seeing right now uh, back in 2010. But I was basing it purely upon the FEMA camps and, you know, all the other weirdness like Homeland Security lining up with Fatherland Security and then doing some research on seeing incinerators and gas, you know, medical gas is on the outside of some of the FEMA camps and everything that I was studying. And then I said, man, this is just like Nazi Germany. But now we have like 10 times more information. So anyway, um, my point is this regarding the prayer vigil. Uh, for those that are regular listeners or participants, ideally, um, 
come to a believer's mind when listening to this program in the future, maybe even tonight? Why isn't he praying for this? You know, why isn't he praying for that? Okay. And um, I just don't feel led uh, in my heart at this time. It's not that I won't occasionally touch upon the plight of a particular part of the world that it may be going through at that given moment. Um, but I don't, I, I believe that the way that we pray during this prayer vigil, particularly at the very end, when we are symbolically holding up a golden cup of forgiveness, we're asking the Father, our Father, to forgive the people. We're confessing of their sins, as Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, as, as uh, Daniel did in uh, chapter 9, verse 25. Um, as a royal priest, First Peter 2, 9. When I believe that when we are praying down heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to come upon people in dreams and visions of the night, I believe that the blanketing of large portions of the entire world in such prayers is more effectual than targeting a specific area that's going through a dark moment. And more so than that, would you choose? What would you focus on? What would you would you sit there and make a big list? Okay, we have the Cascadia subduction zone and all those people that are suffering. Uh, we've got the Mexicali earthquake and all those people that are suffering. We've got uh, the aircraft carrier that just got sunk uh, by North Korea and and Seoul and all those people that are suffering. You know, the list eventually the list is going to get so big that you're just not going to be able to cover everything. And then. You, you know, you're still targeting. There's so many more judgments. And, you know, while North Korea is sinking the aircraft carrier, wait a minute. Well, what happens about, you know, what if at that time Israel's being attacked by its Arab neighbors? Do you do, which do you do? You bounce back and forth, you hit every single one of them, you make a big list, and then where are you? And what haven't you what haven't you prayed for that's that's just as serious, just as severe, just as deadly that isn't in the forefront of the news? Right? So what I don't wanna I just don't feel led in my heart to bounce around in accordance with the things that we see happening or the narratives that are being injected into our mind-controlled brains over mainstream media and all that kind of stuff. You know, there may be an occasion where I, you know, maybe we feel led or whatnot to go there because of a particular, because of the magnitude of a particular calamity for a little bit to set it aside, you know, and target it for specific prayer. But I just don't want to be – I don't want this prayer vigil to turn into something where it becomes an agenda driven by Satan, driven by the mainstream media lying, lying machine, driven by all of that, okay? Because I think it's going to get so bad, slowly, little by little, I think it's going to get so bad that the entire prayer vigil will be hijacked by all the badness that's happening everywhere. And I still – I really feel in my heart that my leading from the Lord 
and the testimony associated with this golden bowl of forgiveness that, I, that he gave me. Now, I know that you may say to yourself, well, he gave it to you. No, that's not how it works. That's why I struggle with anybody who works for or claims to work for the kingdom of God who copyrights things or suggests in any way whatsoever that the that what God showed them or what whatever whatever gift it was they're sharing with you is somehow theirs first and foremost. And oh by the way, I'm sharing it with you. So it's copywritten and I have all the rights to it. See that to me is a pretty egregious sin to the Father because nothing that we are given is ours. We are part of the body of Christ. And it is all all of ours. If you're given a gift, if you're given a testimony, if the, the obligation lies with you to share that with part of the body. How you go about doing that, it, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But there, no Christian has a right at all, in any sense of the word, to take any gift, any dream, any vision, anything that the Lord our Father God has given them, and believe in their heart that it was given to them and it was theirs. Because that's just not how the body of Christ works at all. And I've seen people do that. I know ministries that do do that. Um, it, it is quite frustrating. It's very sad, but it's okay. I just, Father, forgive them and I walk on and I move on. Because humans will be humans, will be humans, will be humans. They just can't help themselves. And we're going to see more and more coldness, compassion, lack of understanding that Christ, that the faith of Christianity, that the bride or the hopeful bride of Jesus Christ is global. 243 countries if you include the island nation states. That's a lot of Christians. Of course, they're at different places in their walk, but the diversity is amazing. And can't be understated. That's why I'm so deeply troubled when I see pastors, preachers, supposedly ministers or whatever, you know, of the gospel of Jesus Christ with flags behind them. It sends a wrongful message. We're not American Christians. That is baloney. Praise God. We are all one body. Some of the most amazing testimonies I've ever heard in my life came from people that listened to this program and have been touched by it in other parts of the world. Africa, the Philippines. In some cases, 300 people would gather together in an internet cafe in the Philippines and listen to the program. Believe it or not, I was astonished. But that was the testimony that I was given. Similar dynamics in underprivileged countries in the southern half of the African continent. Um, so I praise God that I don't even know why or how or what. I, I don't claim any special gifts from the Lord at all. I don't claim any. I know I have the gift of speaking in tongues, but that's about where it ends. Uh, you know, I don't think I have any special gift of discernment. Some people have suggested that some of the articles that I wrote 10 years ago were prophetic. Maybe they were. I don't know. But I don't. I feel no need to claim anything, except that I'm unworthy. And boy, is that true! So all that being said, 
I just wanted to help anyone who's a regular listener and a regular participant of this program understand tomorrow the Cascadia subduction zone event occurs. The expectation must not be that, oh, no, we've got to stop praying for the Ukraine and now we've got to start praying for people in Seattle or Oregon or whatever. I really think that the focus of this prayer, the tactics that are being used, the spiritual warfare methods that are being employed here uh, on this program are highly unique, very refined. I'm not suggesting that they're better, you know, they're, they are for the purposes that God has led me to do my best to share with you. Similarly, this golden bowl was not my golden bowl. It is ultimately all of ours, and you, it, that's just the way the kingdom works. And, I, and real quick, uh, it's a very short testimony. I'll just let you know. I don't know why. I could go, I could go back just a little bit and mention the, uh, how I, I don't know, wrestled with the Lord for the better part of about four or five months. I was praying on my knees. I, I could go, I could, boy, I, the different topics that I've covered on my knees over months and months, sometimes years of time, uh, because I wasn't seeing results and I wouldn't give up. And then eventually I got the result. The timing was perfect because it was from the Lord. I get all that. But I was highly resistive to do this program at all because I felt weird about praying in a room by myself into a microphone. It just seemed odd. And people have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all kinds of other miraculous and wonderful testimonies and good things from – and who can even imagine, except for our Father, how many people may have been visited in dreams and visions, like it says in Job 33, 14, and 15. How many testimonies that we've received from Charisma News or uh, Gospel Herald News of people who have, are converting by the hundreds, if not thousands, in Muslim countries to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because of dreams and visions? We were already doing that, those prayers. The... If if we were to rewind back to the very first couple of prayer vigils, which I think I had to take down because I was using copyrighted music, but anyway, um, they were completely different. There was a lot of similarities, but the tactics, the prayer tactics were are completely different. Because when you learn more, you add to it or you make necessary changes. You change your tactics if you get smarter or I don't know if that's the right term, but if you are led a certain direction because of testimony, because of things that you've gone through, whatever the case is, those tactics, you know, again, uh, people would ask me, I, I get these questions, you know, and, and I've, I had a, some guy from Australia. He, taught, he just pushed me and pushed me, and he was a very nice man, and he wanted to talk to me in person over Skype, and I finally gave in. It was hard to coordinate, and I did. I had we had a chat and he was like, you know, where do you come up with these things when you pray on the prayer vigil? You know, I, I don't know if this is the, the greatest example, but I will share this in, 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 uh, in, in synchronicity with the testimony of the golden bowl. The, it's iterative. 
Okay, and the word iterative means you build a little bit, a little here. It's just like the Bible says, here a little, there a little. Lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little. So I still have recorded, I still have the text of many of the prayers that we've used in the past published on tribulation-now.org. They're still there. But I've since shifted. Now, because I would learn something more, I would learn something more. For example, I got a godly confirmation from a pastor who lives out in the Oregon area about the um, my suspicion that in Revelation chapter 11, where the two witnesses are there, which I do not believe are, are two, I don't care what the Apocrypha says, I don't believe it's two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in, in, in Israel. I don't accept it. I'm not ruling it out completely, but it is definitely not just that. If there were two bearded Hebrews there, okay, fine. I would stand corrected, but I still don't think they're going to be two bearded Hebrews at all. I believe like Pastor Carl Gallops, who we've had on the program, I believe, three times, I believe just like he does. There is not going to be any new Second Solomon's Temple built, and there is not going to be two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv getting shot at by an Abrams A1 tank for three and a half years with fire shooting out of their mouths. It's a metaphor. And I do believe that it's a metaphor for us. I'll just share this with you real quick since I'm on this, if you will, tangent of testimony. But real quick, that's one of the reasons why I was talking to Peterson on the last program about talking about his Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, uh, event in his life. Because it'll, it, it, it's another testimony that confirms disbelief. And I believe, and I, the scripture seems to bear witness to it in my heart, but I, I have a confirmation that the fire that's shot out of the mouth of the two witnesses, which is, which are, which is the lampstand and the olive tree, which is essentially, uh, you know, Israel, you know, we'll call them Messianic Jews just because that's the term that the world seems to embrace. Um, it's, it's the Jews and it's, 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 it's Ephesians chapter 2 verses, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, where it says the middle wall of separation was broken down and made two into one, Jew and Gentile, in the body of Christ. Those are the two witnesses. Okay. The lampstand and the olive tree. You're like, okay, well, what's up with the fire shooting out of their mouth? Ah, Zechariah 2.5, holy fire. It's a weapon. Think X-Men. But why would they be using it? What would be the purpose? Well, I'll just leave you with this thought. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I have very supernatural confirmations that have occurred that have happened to me that I can share with you but I'm just letting you know because I have to cut to the chase is that I believe because of a series of events that happened to me that I am sharing with you because they're not mine they're ours if you can receive it and you don't have to that's fine doesn't mean it won't happen to you and you'll recollect it, and you'll be like, wow, that wacky guy, you know, Johnny Baptist, whatever, on a prayer vigil said something. You know, it's irrelevant. But, I, but what happened was I was following a small handful, probably about five people on YouTube at the time, that 
I believed were hearing from God pretty well. I won't go into the list of who they were and everything. It just doesn't matter now. But one by one by one, they started to say that the Lord came upon them and told them that they were part of the two witnesses or whatever. And I had a real problem with that. And then that caused a double whammy for me because I had been listening to them for so long and was certain that they were hearing from the Lord. So then now I've got a paradox because if they were hearing from the Lord and then they suddenly say that they were told that they were part of the two witnesses, then that's a riddle that I couldn't resolve because you can't have it both ways, right? So that's so I'm I'm in this state of indecision. I'm like what's going on here? This is weird, but I couldn't sort my way through it. Interestingly, within that same period of time, give or take 30 days here or there. I don't know exactly the timing, but it was a short period of time after these Several people on YouTube that I was listening to said that they were that the Lord came upon them and they were told they were part of the two witnesses. Now I have I have had heard some say things like they're part of the 144 or whatever. I I steer hard apart from that because there's so much misinformation regarding the 144,000. It has nothing to do with the rapture. It has not. It's not any of that. I mean, people just say the most incorrect things. Now I just let that one alone and I take it for literal. God knows what it means. It's important from a kingdom standpoint, but really for us to understand it, and certainly it would be a terrible mistake for us to latch on to some of these misgivings and things that we hear out there where, oh, wow, that's got to be this group or that group or this denomination or that or whatever. Forget it. Just toss it aside. Some things are worth wrestling with and some things are not. And anyway, long story short, again, the praise God, I want to share this with you because it's, an, it's, it's a blessing. It's a powerful blessing. The I'm still in this quandary over why these people are saying they're part of the two witnesses and how could that even be? I don't even know if I knew about Carl Gallup's interpretation of the two witnesses and all of that at the time. I just can't piece that part of it together. But... I was sitting on my recliner downstairs in the living room, and I got a call. And it was from a brother who had been taken to heaven multiple times. And he felt led to explain to me that something will happen when you get there. He's talking about when you're taken up for the rapture, and you know, I guess after the wedding supper, he said... Um, they are going to take you into a room, John. They're going to take you into a room, and they're going to ask you if you want to go into eternal rest or if you want to go on a mission. John, you need to tell them that you want to take the mission. Take the mission, John. The amount of emphasis that he put on that directive to me was noteworthy. And I'll never forget it. And then it hit me. It hit me. 
I was like, oh, wow. So could it be that the bride of Jesus Christ is taken up to the wedding supper of the Lamb? We go through all the ceremony. We bring along with us the guests, the guests of the wedding supper, which is in Matthew 22, those who we've awakened. God's not going to leave them behind to suffer. So they'll come with us and become guests at the wedding supper. This is in Matthew 22. We go through the ceremony, assuming that we all make it, and I pray all the time that we all do, and I really do. And then evidently we get taken to the back, some room, or get, you know, whether that happens in parallel or, you know, who knows how it happens. But Larry said, they're going to take you into another room. They're going to say, do you want to go internal rest or do you want to take the mission? Take the mission, John. And then I was like, wait a minute shooting fire out of their mouths for three and a half years. Holy fire. That's a weapon. That's, a, that's like the ultimate weapon. It is the ultimate spiritual weapon. It's funny to me when I look back and remember David Hogan's Faith the Raise the Dead testimony at the, Pentecost, at the uh, church in, uh, up in the Panhandle of Florida and uh, Pensacola and he was jumping around on the stage in the very beginning, just really excited and pumped up and full of Jesus. And he just kept saying, fuego, fuego, and jumping around, Jesus, Jesus, fuego. And, you know, it's so funny. I look back on that and I think to myself, you know, even in his entire testimony, he never said anything about the holy fire of God. Fuego, fire. I believe that the two witnesses are a subset of the bride, the mission, and come back down to the earth and help the tribulation saints, the grape harvest, those who are cast in Revelation 2, verse 22, that are cast into the great tribulation because they were not refined enough. They are also the ones who have the seal of God on their foreheads and are not stung by the locusts. They are the tribulation saints. And they're going to need all the help they can get, I can assure you. And it does ring true when you hear the multitude of testimonies from and I do mean multitude, folks. I really couldn't. I can't even imagine. I, if I if I guesstimate that I've maybe heard one uh, percent of them, there's probably hundreds of thousands of these testimonies out there. But the the concept of uh, the wheat harvest, not the barley. Barley is earlier. The barley harvest is earlier. The barley rapture, first fruits, is sometime pretty soon after the third seal global financial collapse, which we all can pretty much see coming pretty quick. Sometime between then, 
and the beginning of the full-blown World War III where, you know, there's an alien invasion occurring at the same time as the war is going on and Gog and Magog and just prior to the great earthquake from the meteor hitting. Some window of time between the third seal and the middle of the fourth seal, the barley harvest is going for sure. The wheat, which is the final harvest, and by the way, the people that testify about this being the rapture, the missiles come down, we go up. The missiles come down, we go up. The missiles come down, we go up. They will always say the words of the final harvest. I'm not saying they're not hearing from God. I'm just sharing things that most people miss when they listen. The missiles will be coming down because it's in the middle of the day of the Lord. The Revelation 6, 12 13, 14, when it talks about the sky rolling up like a scroll, is nuclear detonations. That's the wheat. That's the second watch. That's the wheat harvest. And the testimonies of that, when you put them all together and you ponder, that occurs after the three days of darkness, which is the sun turns black as sackcloth of hair. That's your scriptural reference to the three days of darkness. There's also, uh, that's also in the midst of the day of the Lord, and there's a massive alien invasion, Joel 2, Isaiah 13. That's what it is. If anybody tells you it's something else, they are wrong. I'm certain of it, or else I would not use such strong language. And it's confirmed in so many testimonies, all, all the, going all the way back to 1950 and 1951 from a Catholic priest named Padre Pio. Even he called them evil angels, slaughtering people during the three days of darkness. He said, don't open your windows. Don't open your blinds. Keep everything closed. Which aligns to Isaiah 26, verse um, 20, I believe it is, where it says, go into your chambers for a little while until the indignation is passed. That word indignation is exactly the same Hebrew word as is used for the word indignation in Isaiah 13, which is talking about the alien invasion that God sends to earth. So these, everything fits together so harmoniously and at and the testimonies of what happens with the wheat, the final harvest, is after the three days of darkness, there's a transformation that takes place on those that are part of the Bride of Jesus Christ that perform the final harvest, the very, very last one, because there's no more harvest after that. Okay, because then the only thing left is the grape harvest, which is the tribulation saints, and they're not bringing anybody home with them. We're coming to get them. Okay, the earth is really in bad shape. So, after the three days of darkness, while the wheat harvest part of the bride of Jesus Christ is in her chambers for a little while until the indignation passed. There's a transformation that takes place upon her, which is captured in the scripture in Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3, where it says that you're, you know, talks about your light coming upon you um, and darkness covering the whole world. And they will come to your light. So it's right here, Isaiah. 60, 
This is actually a scriptural reference to what happens to the second watch or the wheat harvest of the bride during the final harvest. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I can tell you as a fact, we've had testimonies on the show multiple times. Loveness Nankamba, she actually transformed on earth, scared the heck out of her husband. <laughs> he freaked out because she had partially transformed and started to show glory light. Now, I'm not saying, you know, don't don't pass judgment. I, you know, I'm not saying anybody's perfect or anything else, but also Jesse Duplantis when he came back from heaven and he went to do a uh a testimony at a some type of a revival or something, he also glowed with light. I believe his heaven testimony, but there are some things that he said in the last few years that are a little troubling and that's okay. Uh we'll just pray for him, right? Amen. But anyway, arise and shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. Your light has come. What light are you talking about? It's called glory light. We are light beings trapped in human clay bodies. When we become like he is, we will be transformed into light beings, minor gods, little little g-gods. And we're already part of the Godhead if we have Jesus and the spirit of the living God inside of us. And it says, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Well, there's the glory light. Glory, light. Glory, light. The light has come. Glory, light. It's risen upon who? You. And then it says in verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. There's your three days of darkness. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness, the people that are on the earth. So all those other people, not you, but all those other people are going to be pretty bummed out. Deep darkness will be covering them, all those other people. And then it goes, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. It's glory light, because you'll be partially transformed. The Gentiles shall come to your light. So the people walking around outside, when you're going out there to go get them, they're going to see the Gentiles. So all the people that are running, you know, they're going to be like, three days of darkness are over. Oh my gosh, should we, do we dare venture out of the house? The Gentiles will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, see, I've, there was a testimony of a person who had a vision of that event, and she said that a lot of people came running to us, but many people ran away, too, because they were afraid. Because there's, like, glowing light people walking around in the dark. In the dark. That event. Oh, and that goes on for 40 days. So it's that whole 40 days, 40 nights, that whole thing, you know. So it's a repeat of that whole dynamic. Now, but look, there it is again. There's that concept of the glory light, you know, and, and that transformation. So, again, that, that kind of like mirrors itself over to the concept of us going up to the marriage supper, being asked whether or not we want to take the mission, accepting the mission, and then coming down as light beings, because we're not going to be untransformed to come back to the earth. That I can assure you of. So we would come down as super, we'd be minor gods. We would be transformed into our new bodies. And we would have power. You know, X-Men like power to do things 
aligned to the metaphor of fire shooting out of their mouths for three and a half years. That made sense to me. Suddenly I was okay with the people on YouTube saying that they were told they were part of the two witnesses. But keep in mind, the wheat harvest, that final harvest, the missiles come down, we go up, the missiles come down, we go up. That's going to be after 22 million people die on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. That's just one location. What about the, the east, or I'm sorry, the west coast of Africa? What about the Med? Is a double mega tsunami being kicked off by the splashdown of a large meteor off the coast of Puerto Rico, collapsing the La Palma volcano, causing a double mega tsunami? That's that's gonna and and not only that, but that's a great that great earthquake shakes the entire earth. The devastation is going to be unspeakable. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people are going to die. And a lot of them will be God's people. A lot of them will probably be part of the bride. And at the marriage supper. So this mass assumption that the wheat harvest is the only harvest just doesn't make any sense to me. Because most of the people that are out there predicting it and out there speaking it forth and all that kind of stuff aren't even going to be alive for it. They're going to be dead. Well, they're going to be in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe helping set, set some uh, Andy's candies on the you know, marriage supper tables. <laughs> right? But anyway, the golden bowl, it's, it's ours. There's bowls. Somebody said, well, what do you mean golden bowl of forgiveness? Where's that in the Bible? I'm like, folks, everything is true. Everything that's in the Bible is true, but not everything is true is in the Bible. Not only that, but there's vials and bowls and things like that all over the scripture if you read your Bible. Okay, so anyway, I at the time, I was communing with the Father. I was, I was very spiritually deeply connected with him at the time. I, it was right after I come, come up out of prayer, um, I was sitting in my office, and the Lord told me, I, I mean, I could just, it was so plain. It was like, you need to go get a golden bowl. And I was like, I need to go get a golden bowl? And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, you know, just following this thing I I just felt like I had to go get a golden bowl and I and I went out and I looked on Amazon and of course it was showing real golden bowls and eight hundred dollars and a thousand all kind of crazy stuff and I was like well that ain't gonna work so I went over to eBay and I typed in golden bowl and right there on the first page for fourteen dollars was this gold colored uh, ceramic bowl and then, and I'm like, that's it. And of course, I had one of those, you know, started bawling like a baby moments because I knew it was the Lord. And then when I got it, I realized it's covered in grapes and grapevines. And it doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, then you put all this stuff together over time. And getting back to the prayers and how we pray on this program and the understanding of 
the whole story is an impossible story. But getting to the place, the reason why the prayers change over years of time a lot is because it's kind of like learning. I mean, maybe this is a bad uh, simile or whatever you want to call it or an, an analogy. Maybe this is a bad analogy. But just forgive me, please, and let me use this analogy. It's kind of like mixed martial arts and all that kind of weird fighting, which I'm totally not into and I never ever watch. But I do understand the concepts. And, um, and what they do is they take – the best of everything. They take the best of jiu-jitsu. They take the best of karate. They take the best of grappling. They take the best of boxing. They take the best from every different style of fighting there is. The very best. The best moves only. And they put them together, and they use it as a portfolio of tactics to do their fighting stuff that they do. Like I said, I've never even – I might have seen like a YouTube where somebody was doing it for a couple of seconds, but I am so uninterested in any of that kind of stuff. So I just – you know. but the analogy works very well because it's an analogy of fighting, which is what spiritual warfare is about. It's war, except we're taking it to the darkness. So why wouldn't you take the best that you learned from the best over years of time and – weave a tapestry of tactics that have been effective. You know, the fervent, effective prayers of a righteous man avails much, James 5.16b. Naturally, so when I went through the attack, the Lord had a reason to put me through all of the things that he put me through. And boy, I don't even like to think about it because it's pretty traumatizing, really. And But when I think about what happened as a result to me and what – I mean it changed so many things in my life. It changed how I look at things. It changed how much I trust in the Lord. It changed uh, – you know, my, it, it made me way more humble and feel way more vulnerable and needing God more. I uh, felt less worthy, I, uh, which is good, um, I, you know, and I also um, – uh, it changed my prayer tactics a lot because I was under attack from witch covens. And when you're under attack from witch covens, anybody who understands anything at all about that stuff. See, I, the first time I read the book, he came to set the captives free. I thought Rebecca M. Brown, M.D. was wrong because I was thinking with the mind of a Pentecostal. I thought she was wrong when she said – when she was explaining that this witch coven that was coming after them, they were having difficulty stopping them. And they were having some real hard times. I mean, it was – I won't go into the details, but I'll just say it, it was bad. It was very bad what they went through. And I thought to myself with the Pentecostal mindset, I said, well, if you say in the name of Jesus, get out, demon, then the demon has to go. Guess what? It's not true. And you're like, no, you say. You're speaking against the Bible. No, I'm speaking from experience. Here's the thing. When a human being invites a demon into them, it changes the, it, the whole – everything changes. All the rules change. All the rules change. That's why it's very important to remember, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because when God forgives them, when you confess of their sins – 
as a royal priest before God and he forgives them, even if it's only for 15 minutes, those demons, even the ones that were invited into that individual, no longer have a legal right to stay there. Now remember legal, praying before the courts of heaven, it's all about law. It's all about legality. It's all about contracts. That's how it works. That's how the kingdom of God works. So you take away their legal right to stay there. And then you bind and cast them out. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be 100% effectual. That would be kind of presumptuous and maybe even a borderline mature and silly on my part. But I do know that the tactics are exceedingly um, effectual. All right? Because I was under attack badly. And it went on for a long time. And it was bad. So I knew th some stuff from the radio show and from different Pastor Riggs, God bless his sweetheart, he's in heaven now, um, you know, so many, uh, Danny Duvall, uh, Dr. Preston Jen uh, Bailey, uh, and, and, and much more. And I said, and I went to Canaan Ministries in South Africa, which is one of the world's largest SRA DID delivery, deliverance ministries in the world. And they have a printable booklet of prayers that you can download and use for various purposes. And they use these prayers specifically to help them with SRADID victims, which are the worst-case scenarios. doesn't get any worse than that. So I started to employ, that's what I did. I went through that little booklet. It's probably like 20 pages. And I would look, I was slipping through it, looking for prayers. This is appropriate. Okay, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this little chunk here. I go back three or four more. I'd look at this one, look at this one. No, 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 not that one. Oh, look, look, that statement. I love that. That is powerful. And so I would take the first one and the second one and I would stitch them together. And then there would be another one and then I would grab it, put it together to make it one special, powerful prayer. And I use those tactics and those prayers to eliminate the problem. And it worked rather rapidly, I might add. So it was very effective. Praise God, because I needed respite. And then those prayers matured over into what we use or I use and we collectively use on the prayer vigil right now, which is shifted over to, for the most part, holy fire as the weapon. And because over all that time, not only did I learn these things experientially, not only did I have, you know, the pastor that I mentioned from Oregon or whatever, call me up and tell me about the holy fire and how God had showed him that revelation, the, the fire shooting out of the mouth was a holy fire of God. You know, all these confirmations over, oh my goodness, like three years of time. And, and, um, you, you just can't turn your back on that stuff. There's just too many confirmations. 
And then you know that you know that you know that you know. It becomes – now it's not you're believing out of faith. Now you know. It's a knowing thing. That's a very powerful belief is when you know it. So I wanted to share – I shared more than I – planned on, um, but I did uh, want to touch upon these different things real quick because it all kind of blends together, um, but also make mention of my anticipation that things might get bad enough, enough simultaneously horrific cataclysmic events may occur and I just wanted to have an official testimonial out there, an f- official sharing of my feelings about that. Uh, again, it's not that I won't stop occasionally and, may, you know, if something really big or bad or whatever. It's not like, it, you know, I'm, I'm saying, no way, I'm never going to do that. It's not like that. But I just am hoping that the believers that do join with us, and there will be more over time. Believe me, the darker it gets, the more that will join us for a vigil. I can see the numbers and I got the charts. And I'm just letting you, as many people as I can let know, understand that I really don't feel led in my heart to jump from one cataclysm to another as part of the prayer vigil. I think the prayer vigil has come to a pretty good place where it is. Sometimes it's a teaching prayer vigil. Some of those are incredibly powerful. Uh, the one uh, t- t- two or three ago where uh, I, I was felt led to help people you know, get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and gave examples and all that kind of stuff did result in at least one, maybe more. Uh, but I got a direct testimony from somebody in France, praise God for her, uh, you know, and she was trying for a long time, and that one kicked her over. So she she received um, uh, after that prayer vigil. Praise God, and I'll take it. You know I, you know. So anyway, I mean I don't mean I'll take it, but I mean I, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will take it. I mean, and don't even get me going on one sinner repenting and all the angels in heaven, you know, saying glory to God. So. I just wanted to get that out there. I just wanted to share that with you. It did lead to expanding on some other really cool testimony, especially the part about I'm pretty sure it's right. I'm pretty sure, folks, that it's right. I, I'm not going to you know, I'm not gonna be like all oh, bummed out if I was wrong or whatever, but what could that mission be? It certainly isn't going to be a mission to send us to like Andromeda or something. It's going to be about the Earth's the establishment of the millennial kingdom and the interests of our Heavenly Father in the realm that we are in right now. That the, the, the throne room's focus will be on Earth at that moment in time. You can believe that. So if we're going to be offered a mission, it's going to have something to do with Earth. And if you know what the Earth is going to be like at that time, then guess what? Fill in the blanks. Pretty simple. Straightforward. And then you got fire shooting out of the mouth of two witnesses for three and a half years. So sometimes logic, logical deduction combined with a whole series of coincidences over years of time, all kind of you know spiritually stitched together into a, into a type of harmonious understanding 
reveals mysteries that otherwise could never be arrived at by purely looking at the words in the Bible. You need that nudge. You need that Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants, the prophets. And then you've got the scripture that says that we can all prophesy to the extent, you know, that, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean that we all say, yea, saith the Lord? No. So, Anyway, I wanted to share all, share all this with you to bless you so that um, I made sure that I shared it. Um, I know I've mentioned bits and pieces of it before at different times, but since I've been doing this for 11 years and 4,000 radio shows, I have no idea where it is or who has heard it. So I think it merited repeating, particularly because of the the magnitude of the mystery and the paradox and um, also because I have a feeling that based upon the direction that the earth appears to be going, I just am struggling right now. I know I could be wrong, and I'm okay with that. But I'm really struggling with us making it to 2024 and Trump getting back into office. I'm really struggling with that happening right now. Uh, it's very, 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 very difficult for me to believe Although it could happen, but still exceedingly, supremely difficult for me to believe that God would allow the forces of darkness to come as far as they have and then suddenly rip the rug out from underneath them, particularly because our Heavenly Father is going to use the darkness to bring in that final harvest. That's how it works. There are more people coming to Jesus in the Ukraine now than – and guess what? The people that are coming to Jesus in the Ukraine right now, there's an exceedingly high level of likelihood that if they didn't come to Jesus now in the midst of this special operation, they would have ended up in hell. Do you understand how awesome God is? He allows his judgments and these cataclysms and these things that we look at and we're in like, you know, an unbeliever would say, what kind of God would allow that to happen? One that wants to bring as many to heaven as possible. That's the kind of God. He's awesome. And in the midst of these cataclysms and events, more people will make it to heaven than would have ever made it if the cataclysms did not happen. For sure. Our Father is not especially concerned about those who he already has in his hands. Don't get me wrong. He does hear, you know, it's not like he's not, you know, doesn't care about you. It's not what I'm saying. But if there was some prioritization to the, if you will, priorities of the kingdom, they, those, the kingdom's priorities right now are focused on saving the lost. If you belong to Jesus already, then why would our Heavenly Father be sending, you know, myriads of angels down to what? Help you clean your house? The point I'm trying to make here is that the focus of the kingdom as we get further and further into the darker periods, uh, you know, and closer to the raptures and things like that is going to be about saving souls. For sure. Why wouldn't it be? That would be the focus. doesn't mean he's not listening to your prayers. He is. Of course he is. But it's going to be his perfect timing. And we don't always see 
We, we well, not that's actually a bad way of saying it. We never see, <laughs> okay, what God sees. And so, of course, naturally we're troubled because we don't think our prayers are being answered. Maybe we just don't see that the things that are happening in our lives or happening to our members of our family, etc., that we're praying for, that maybe are affecting us really bad. Maybe we don't see why God is allowing it to continue. Maybe we don't see what, that God, what God knows, that if he doesn't allow those things to happen, that person's going to become lost and end up in the pit. Because we don't know what the grand finale is. All we know is it's annoying the heck out of us. So it's very, very hard. We're going to go through some much, much, much more harder times, I believe. I, I struggle even to understand how we're, a lot of us are going to get through it. And the Tommy Hicks vision from 19, I think it was 63, um, he's, he, he, there was a point where Jesus was walking to the, the various believers and lifting his hands out to them. And many of them were wa- stepping back into the darkness away from him. So that was a... Uh, and analog, it was a, it, kind of like a metaphor for the period of time that we're in right now. And many believers are going to just be so overwhelmed with the stuff going on in the world that they won't be able. They maybe they'll be, be you know bawling their eyes out, crying in grief. You know, it, it, you know, if we don't learn to see death as freedom, we're going to be hard pressed to continue. We have to understand that when millions of Christians die, it's a wonderful thing. We have to come to that place in our walk. And, and, and that's all part of the journey. And it's not an especially easy journey either. In fact, it's like really, really hard. I think the, one of the greatest understatements in the entire Holy Bible is narrow is the path and difficult is the way. I think it might have been a little bit better for those of us in this particular season if it said narrow is the path and supremely horrible is the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. A- amen. So anyway, this turned into quite quite a lot quite a lot longer of a testimony than I intended it to be. Um, but I think it was worthwhile and I hope it touches those who it needs to touch. Um, and, and I just give all the glory to God. And I, you know, and I and, uh, you know, hopefully there's some some encouragement and such that you can take away from it. All right. Praise God. And we just thank you, Father. Amen. And on that note, let's go ahead and officially start at one hour into the program with the time that we have left, the, uh, the actual prayer vigil itself. Praise you, Jesus. Let me go ahead and see if I got up. Ah, there it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. One more thing. Thank you, Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for the days that we are in right now. We thank you for giving us the vision and an understanding of some of the things that that we believe that you have shown us, things that we hope that we will always and forever be able to receive, that we will never have a bias in our heart that would preclude us from being able to receive those mysteries, to be mystery sponges. We want to be everything that you 
Lord, our Father, would like us to become. We do not want to be tricked by the devil. We do not want to refuse to understand or accept something that is true simply because the Satan has buried it into some sort of an aberrant denomination and say, oh, that's of the devil because that's from that denomination or whatever. Father, let us never be tricked by that satanic um, leaven. Help us to always have an open heart and to be able to receive things that others simply cannot and never to get stuck on any rung of the ladder that we would be able to spiritually continue to climb up so high that we can even see into the throne room of God gazing into glory. We praise you, Father, for the days that we are in right now. We thank you for every soul that is being saved by virtue of the special operation taking place in the Ukraine. Father, we praise you for every single one that goes to their knees and cries out, even if it is out of fear, because at least they're talking to you now, when perhaps prior they were not at all. We thank you for helping us to understand how you work, how the kingdom works, and how the days ahead of us are going to be working in your glory to help us understand uh, uh, Titus 1, verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. We want to understand that these are holy and righteous, that your judgments, when they, as the net result, end up in the saving of many souls that otherwise would have burned in eternal fire, we give you all the glory and we thank you, Father, for your mercy does endure forever. We thank you for bringing us on our journeys. We thank you for the times that we were able to hear and to, and to feel and to know in our spirits that the things that we were hearing were right, even when we didn't understand them and we were still in the midst of a paradox, wondering how can that be? But you always seem to come through, sometimes not right away, sometimes not for a whole year, but sooner or later, that that answer, just like it says in James 1, verse 5, uh, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. And Father, that's a true statement. It really is. And we just praise you for that. We thank you for the revelations and the, and the lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little. We thank you for keeping our feet nimble, that we can continue to climb that ladder of light and see even more light and understand the things that are going to be happening across the world that will seem horrific to so many people, throwing them prostrate on the ground, praying before you, maybe for the first time in their life. And it will help us to get through these things, to understand that how we are praying, how we are seeking you, is blessing you. Because, Father, we want to be in accordance with John 14, 12, 13, and 14, that our prayers, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, will be heard by you and glorify you. And that they will glorify our King, our Lord Jesus, and our friend. We thank you, Father. We praise you, and we ask you for these prayers and the prayer of the Holy Fire to be sustained by a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit and to take us through all throughout the next week. Sustain it, Father. Sustain these prayers. Help people that are listening or are new to this program when they hear these prayers. Help them, Father, to allow them to embed into their spirit that they will be able not only to remember how, but why they're saying the prayers, and also the scriptural references that help to solidify the validity of them. Because this would be a spiritual reckoning in their hearts.
because it will certainly not be something that they would hear from churchianity at all, ever, sadly. We give you all the glory, Father, forever and ever. Amen. Tonight is March the 25th of 2022, the 22nd of Adar 2, 5782. The next holiday is Rosh Kodesh Nisan, which is the 2nd of April of 2022. That'll be this next Saturday, I think. Yep. Praise God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles or the Shabbat candles, if you prefer. Or you can do it on a Sunday. You can do it on a Friday. You can do it on a Wednesday. You can do it every single day of the week, according to Romans 14. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. I like to light three candles, one for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Maybe maybe someday we'll all be like Angelica Zambrano and we'll pull a chair out at our dining table for the Holy Spirit to sit on. Praise Jesus. Imagine imagine having actually met the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, Jesus. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Bore perihagaten. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu. V'shabak kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon hinchilanu. Zikaron lemase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh. Zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes, those sins that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
cleanse and totally purify our heart, our soul, our spirit, our minds, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven. With your precious blood, Lord Jesus, and Father, purge it with your holy fire. Blot out all of our iniquity. Blot out all of our sin. As your scripture says, Father, we pray, do not remember our sin. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by his blood, we decree and declare before your high, holy, supreme courts, the most high, El Elyon, before the courts of all existence, the kingdom of the living God. Father, we come before them and we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, any demon of darkness, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the very moment that these entities attempt to set their wills against us, that they shall be struck by the holy fire of God, that it shall splash down on them like white-hot napalm and burn them into screaming and horrific agony, making a public spectacle of them. In Jesus' name, in accordance with Colossians 2.15, we bind it before the courts of heaven against them. In Jesus' name. Father, we declare and decree and plead with your courts for the dispatch of a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission on our behalf, Father God, to be sent out uh, to, to, to search out, search out any attempt to come against us in our workplaces, in our daily lives, amidst our loved ones, amidst our families, amidst the people that we know, and all aspects of our lives. Father, to, to find any attempts of the darkness to come against us indirectly and to close those portals and to strike the demons, deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest and cast them into the pit. In the name of Jesus, we declare the pit to be welded shut by the fire of God. Hallelujah. Father, we declare the holy fire of God to swirl around about our dwelling place to be intermingled with the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, to blow it white hot in the name of Jesus Christ, that nothing can penetrate it. We plead with the courts of heaven and decree in Jesus' name for warrior angels, tall, powerful, and mighty, with diamond-tipped swords, sharp as razor blades, to stand guard at the, at, at, at the entryway to our dwelling places and to follow us and to guard us wherever we go in our automobiles, wherever we go. Father God, divine protection follows us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for that holy fire, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, that any weapon, earthly or spiritual, shall be immediately vaporized, that any fiery dart that is shot at us will be immediately vaporized by the fire of God. In Jesus' name, it will not come near us. We tear up all demonic contracts. We tear them up. We cancel all demonic assignments against us or our loved ones. We declare the holy fire of God around our loved ones, Father God. In the name of Jesus, a thorny hedge of protection around us and our family. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We we praise your holy name, and we thank you, Father, for proactively pouring out the power, the authority that you have promised us. We wield the sword of the Spirit against these demons of darkness, and they shall not come near us in Jesus' name. Any of our family members that are aberrant, that are outside of your will, Father, we ask you, forgive them, Father, for they truly do not know what they do. We pray that your will be done in their lives. We pray that you will give us the strength to be able to endure the, the punishment, the challenge that, that we may be going 
going through on account of their behavior. And we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for a miracle to occur. We ask you, O Lord Jesus, for your blood to enter in, to touch them, Father, and to make a complete change, an overhaul in how they act and behave. In the mighty name of Jesus, that, 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 that the circumstances that are troubling us, that are, that are pulling us away from a closer relationship with you, Father, that they, those circumstances will change and that a miracle will occur and that these miracles will, will just have a ripple effect across all of those who have been a ne- negatively affected by them and that it shall go away and that we will be, uh, that you will be further blessed, Father God, by the virtue of that intercession because we will have more time and more people will have more time, more in our families will have more time to give you glory, praise, worship, and honor, Father, because you are so deserving of that. And these distractions pull us away from our mission, that which you have written in our books before there was time, in accordance with Psalm 139, verse 16 in Ephesians 2.10. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we will be enabled through your blessings and through your intercession with the angels and with the powers of the heavens that we pray for on our behalf at this time. Father, we pray that you will be glorified by those results. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory and thank you. We thank you. We consecrate ourselves. Uh, at this time, I like to use holy oil. Praise Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership, Lord Jesus, and we lay ourselves, body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart, into your hands. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them, against us or our loved ones. We declare in Jesus' name and plead, Father God, for your abundant, manifold grace to fall upon us. We pray, Father, for your living water and the crystal river to pour and wash through us over and over again so that all iniquity, all transgressions, all sins and the remembrances of them thereof will just be washed away and sink into a very crystal clear, deep blue sea of your forgetfulness, Father. Jesus, we plead your blood upon us. We plead your blood to intermingle with our blood. We plead your blood to intermingle with our vital organs, with our bodies, that if there is anything that needs to be healed, that it will just heal us now. We receive it. We thank you, Father. We praise your name. We thank you for your holy fire. We thank you for a thorny hedge of protection. We praise you for a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, strong, to maintain that holy fire white hot and to wrap our prayers in that holy fire that they should punch through the spiritual realm directly into your throne room. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We praise you. We are ready for all. We accept all. We confess it with our tongues before thee. Let, Father, in Jesus' name, only your will be done in us and every one of us, and our loved ones. We wish no more than this, Father. Into your hands we commit our soul and spirit, and we offer it to you with all of the love of our heart, for we trust you, Father. We trust you. We may not understand. We may not understand. We may grieve. Sometimes we might even feel sorry for ourselves, which we should fight. But, Father, we give ourselves to you, into your hands, without any reservations and boundless confidence, 
because you love us. You even loved us at our darkest hour. And we love you, Father. And we thank you because you are so awesome. If we even had any idea how awesome you are, I really think we would be unable to speak. And I believe with all of my heart that someday we will stand before Jesus and you with exceeding joy. Words that right now we don't really comprehend. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive us. Father, listen and act, and please do not delay. Daniel 9.19 For your people, Father, a hopeful bride of your Son, Jesus Christ. We cry out to you this night, and we ask you, Father, let not our prayers be hindered. 1 Peter 3.7 For your sake, Father, and the sake of those who would be otherwise saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh 
Power of the Saints, 1 John 5:16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he, the saint, will ask, and he, our Father, will give him life for those who commit sins not leading to death. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which doesn't lead to death, he will ask, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sins not leading to death. How about that? So when you pray for somebody that you know is committing a sin, providing it's not one that leads to death, which would be a limited number of certain transgressions. Things like, you know, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of contention over what that actually means. I hope it doesn't mean what I think it might mean, as that would mean people that are cessationists are in a lot of trouble. But um, but this is amazing. Think about this. If you see fellow brother or sister committing a sin, you can ask God to forgive them, and God will forgive them. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Sure it is. Praise Jesus. Let's look at some other confirming scriptures. I've had, by the way, <laughs> preachers and pastors and stuff that I've had conversations with over the years, and they're like, no, no, you're not, you're not understanding that properly. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like graciously trying to like not say anything and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. when I know it's a fact that I'm, I'm totally understanding it exactly what it, it says what it says. Praise God. It's so funny how when someone, when, when a person, even somebody who's supposedly trained, it's just amazing. When, when they don't get something, they think of a thousand reasons why, you know, what the words say don't mean what they mean. I don't understand that. But anyway, okay. Job 22.30. He, our Father, will even deliver from hell the one 
for whom you intercede, who is not innocent, yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Praise God. Now, again, I added the words from hell and also for whom you intercede to clarify it. It's, you know, it, from a literal, out of the amplified, literally it says, he will even deliver the one who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. All right. But what it's, what it's actually saying is he will even deliver from hell the one for whom you intercede who's not innocent, who's guilty of sins. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. So because your hands are clean, because you are constantly self-examining, judging yourselves, 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 31, 32, it's all over the Bible. When you, because your hands are clean, God will favor your petition to forgive another person. That's amazing. As a matter of fact, it's, it, it, I, there's many scriptural confirmations, but here's a testimonial confirmation. Um, Maurice Klar, we've had him on the radio show before. He's a great guy. Awesome. Um, anyway, he, when he was taken to heaven one time, there was a, a person, an individual, who as he was like, like, you know, kind of being, being given a tour around and walking around and stuff, somebody from a, over the hillside evidently was standing on a hill a bit of a distance away from him, yelled over to him, Maurice, Maurice, if you hadn't have prayed for me, I wouldn't be here right now. It's a very moving and powerful testimony. I think that's one of the reasons why our Father is so adamant about us spending as much time as possible in prayer. I don't think we realize how important it is. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 7.14. This one's mind-blowing when you really think about it, because it just defies everything the churchianity teaches. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. This is so gushing with mysteries from the Bible that you could do like a whole Sunday. Well, if you did a sermon on this and you were like me, you'd clear out 300 people in about 15 seconds. <laughs> They'd all be like, this guy is nuts. But it's so right there. It's so in your face. It's so obvious. It's so amazing. Unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife and vice versa. So right there you have an example of just so the scripture says, because you're married, you are one. And because, and even with an unbelieving spouse, because your spirit is one and you are made one, because the belie- one of the two spouses is a believer, the other one benefits by that. That's one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons why our father hates divorce. Because he doesn't, he would rather you deal as much as you can with the situation 
to save the soul. But our Father knows how horrible, nobody better than our Father knows how horrible hell is. But then there's another mystery. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. Hey. So what is this saying here? I mean, otherwise your children would be unclean. But now they're holy? Your children? Yes. Invariably, you will, as you go on your adventures across the internetosphere and you find various, it will always be a female. It will almost always be a female, possibly a mother, that is prophesying. And she'll be talking about the rapture of the innocents and all that kind of stuff. And that God would not know. It is not scriptural. It is not right. It is absolutely false. It is just, it is the, it is that person cannot accept that there could be unclean children. But it says right here, otherwise your children would be unclean. I, I could give you tons of testimonies, but just pointing this one thing out. Wow, wow, wow. And there's so many other scriptures that confirm it as well. All right, 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. This is where Paul says, To deliver such a, a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So what Paul did was he got frustrated because he couldn't get through to somebody. And they, the stuff that they were saying and the words... It was going to end up sending him to hell anyways. So Paul said, okay, that's fine. So he prayed that they would be turned over to Satan to be made deathly ill for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, because Paul knew that if Satan were given the right to destroy their flesh and they came down with some horrible form of cancer or whatever the case is, and they were on their deathbed, that they would probably snap out of their opinionated, incorrect, heretical rhetoric and you know, say, Father, if I have committed any sins at all, please forgive me because they're on their deathbed doing here. It's like I would rather have the person be on their deathbed and make it into heaven than let them keep on flapping their lips the way they are right now and end up in hell. It's pretty powerful. Another one. This one here. <laughs> I had a conversation with a uh, with a reverend <laughs> about this one, and she was very uh, prompt to let me know that I was definitely misunderstanding it, and I absolutely am positive that I'm not misunderstanding it and I am understanding it perfectly well. John 20, 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, compare that to 1 John 5, 16. If anyone sees a brother uh, sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and God will give him life for those who commit sins not leading to death. It's exactly the same verbiage, really. It's just stated a different way. John 20, 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. See, 
the average churchianity pastor or reverend or whatever you want to call them, they're not going to accept that. Only Jesus can do that. But wait. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You know, we are a royal priesthood. We're not doing this stuff in some sort of a void. We're not taking, we're not taking over Jesus' place. We are simply doing what we've been commissioned to do through Christ and the Godhead as a royal priesthood. But then you, you would say to yourself, but wait a minute, what about this? If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. Well, that aligns to 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, where Paul delivered such a one under Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So if you retain the sins of a person that they are retained, it is essentially the same act as what Paul was doing in 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. It was in their best interest. I would submit that if you were ever in that situation, I would hope that you would never be in that situation. But if you ever were, that you would just simply do what Paul did. But I, I personally, I see that in the scripture. I recognize it's an option. I get it. But I, for me, no, I'm not going there. I, I prefer to go the other route. That's just the way I am. I would, you know. I'm not turning somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. I will stick with Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I will continue to pray for them as much as I have to, praise God. And that's my choice, and I'm sticking with it. All right, praise Jesus. All right, but I just wanted to share these scriptures with you because they're all about power that has been given to us. So sometimes, you know, if I'm having problems with some kind of a stronghold and I – have like this, I go through a period where I have a repetitive sin, where I keep finding myself every three or four days doing that thing again or whatever it is, you know, that, you know, uh, I will go to another saint that, and I will say, please ask the Father to forgive me of my sins. I just gave you one, two, three, four, five verses that show you why you ought to do that. We should be praying for one another. I know people that have used that used to be pretty close to me, and I would hear from them pretty regularly. And I haven't heard from some of them in a long time. And my prayers for them have changed. Now when I'm on my knees in the morning and I'm praying for them, I say, Father, please forgive them for any sins that they're committing for anything that they feel in their heart that might not be right. Father, just forgive them, completely forgive them, Father, and bring them in close to you and save their souls. Father, bring them in, bring them in, just like the sheaves, <laughs> reeling in the sheaves. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know, because I just figure, you know, because if if, a lot of times what happens is when people are going through difficult times, Satan attacks them. Then they start to feel unworthy. And it creates a cycle and they kind of get sucked into this like whirlpool and they can't like pull themselves out of it and so one of the best things you can do when you suspect somebody might have fallen into that that cycle that negativity cycle where they get sucked in by satan they feel like they're unworthy and they just you know they get into this it's a cycle and when they're like that, they become kind of like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where, you know, they were embarrassed that they were naked, you know, before God. 
and you know it, it, that that cycle occurs and when, and then they get embarrassed about how they're behaving and and it just it stacks up it just stacks up higher and higher and higher and that person gets caught in a trap not only do they feel unworthy but they're being pummeled by the demons that are going to kick them while they're down they're going to feel less and less worthy and then they're going to be embarrassed and they don't, certainly wouldn't want to come to another believer and admit that they slipped that far down or whatever the case is. You know what I mean? Because they're embarrassed. And, of course, Satan's going to use that to his advantage. So it's just I just – whenever I suspect somebody might have slipped or fallen for a while or whatever, I just say, Father, please, any sins they're committing in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will forgive them of those sins in Jesus' name. I forgive them, Father, please. Please, you forgive them. And also, this is supported by the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, looky there. Praise God. <laughs> That's just awesome. Be exalted, Father. Our hearts are fixed on you. Oh, yes, Lord, our hearts are fixed. And we will sing and give praise. Awake up, Father, our glory. Awaken, sultry and harp. Father, we ourselves will awake early to spend time with you. We will praise thee, O Lord, amongst the people and sing unto thee amongst the nations. For your mercy is great unto the heavens and your truth into the clouds. Father, please be exalted. We praise you above all the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. We praise your name. Oh 
worship you and humble my heart. Humble my heart. Humble my heart. Lord, let me always trust in you and humble my heart. of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased He arose and went back up to heaven To speak to the heavenly host You lifted the cup of forgiveness It was paid, it was done You had power to call And I can only imagine The thunderous sound As though heaven exploded in tears We were free from our chains all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord of our all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. 
victories Believing a land All of creation Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed by the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. 
And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 1 Peter 2.9, Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world. Received up into glory. First Timothy three sixteen. We pray for purification based upon Psalm fifty one one through fourteen. Father, Father, please have mercy on us, because your mercy does endure forever. We don't deserve it. Thank you, Father. According to your loving kindness, Father, and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray that you will blot out all our transgressions, wash us from our iniquity, cleanse us from our sin. For, Father, not only do we acknowledge our transgressions, we confess of them. We confess of our sin. It is always before us. Against you, you only we have sinned, Father, and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless, when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make us to know only your wisdom. Praise you. Purge us with hyssop, and we shall be clean. Wash us, and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sin, Father. Blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. 
Do not cast us away from your presence and don't let us grieve the Holy Spirit, Father. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us by your generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Father, deliver us from the guilt of our sin, God of our salvation. And then our tongues will sing aloud of your righteousness. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that, which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread, and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ami, Lododi, Lododi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
wherever you touched. You were strong, you were kind, you were just, you were aiming for the goal. And you were smiling, always strong and secure through your words. Like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter to the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow. Through your spirit and serenity, listen to my offense. You were sick for my disease. You were poor for my prosperity. You were strong when I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God alive to always be with me. And I know I will never be
We are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil. And we are the servants and foot washers of mankind. As an exception to the rule tonight, please pray with me because I have some inside information from Ukraine. Um, it's not good news. Uh, first, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, please, to forgive our fellow brothers and sisters across the world that are unfortunately duped by the devil and tricked into believing the lies of the mainstream media and the wagged dog satanic mind control manipulation of true Nazis such as Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and the evil satanic global crime syndicate that is essentially run out of Babylon the Great. Father, we just pray that you will forgive our fellow brothers and sisters as they wrongfully pray for the wrong side because of their deception. Not that there's anything good to come of things and situations such as this, but we do pray and thank you, Father, for those that are in the various Ukraine churches that are coming to you now in the midst of this special action, whatever, war event. We thank you for the souls that are going to be saved. We thank you for the people that are coming to you now that would not otherwise end up in the pit. We praise you, Father, for the darkness that has come over that country because whenever the net result is that more people would be saved than lost, then it is to your glory. And we thank you for helping us to understand these things. We pray, Father, that you will forgive those, all of those across that country who have, that are under the control of demons of darkness. Father, forgive them, we pray. We pray for angels to come upon them in dreams and visions of the night, to turn their direction around to you, to awaken them before it is too late. But Father, in accordance with that which was given to us or to myself earlier today, um, some intel, insider intel, if you will, of something rather sinister that is in progress. Father, in the name of Jesus, the information, as you know, that was given was associated with the um, Azov Battalion Nazi faction of the Ukrainian, Ukrainian army, placing uh, explosives on the Odessa Lake Dam. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We know that if that dam were to be blown, that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people would be killed. That over 10 feet of water would go rushing over and miles upon miles of people's homes. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will assign specialized angels to that dam. That you will break that explosive that you will cause it to fail. We know that the Nazi entities would simply use it as another false flag and blame Russia for doing it. It's all completely out of our hands now, Father. It's only in yours. And we give you all the glory. May many be brought to you. May many be brought to you, even if it is on their knees. 
We thank you for that. But, Father, we do request that a specialized angel, Father, even maybe an archangel, to be assigned to that dam to cause it to fail, just like the many, many times that you have caused the Hadron Collider, the Large Hadron Collider, to fail. When, when the scientific attempts to jack up the power to levels that endangered uh, that which you've established here on this planet and its existence. We know that you've sent angels to blow that thing up, and we're asking you to do the opposite with that dam, to send angels to guard it, that it will not blow up. That the explosives, the caps, the igniting uh, mechanisms will fail, and that they will not be able to do such evil. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray and thank you. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, your own special people, brought out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. And Father, we symbolically hold up before you a golden cup of forgiveness in Jesus' name, before your high, holy, awesome courts of heaven. Father, we pray for the peoples of the lands of Africa, from the north to the south, to the east to the west, from Morocco to Egypt to Johannesburg, from Gambia, from the Ivory Coast, all the way over to far western side of, or eastern side of Kenya. Father, we pray that you will pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon every single man, woman, and child of every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of Africa. All of them, Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We know that you would want not one to perish, and we praise you for that, Father. Father, as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and Daniel did in 9.25, we confess of their sins before thee, Father. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers, until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Father, forgive them. Pour out forgiveness upon all of them across all of the peoples of the lands of the continent of Africa. In Jesus' name, that your will be done. Praise your name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Africa, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and by his blood we decree, fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces, we declare. Fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar in the throne room of God and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you thereof. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, we bind that scripture against thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We declare in Jesus' name, and Father, we ask you for the dispatch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels, Father, to descend upon the lands of Africa and to come against these entities of darkness and to cut them into pieces and to cast them into the pit. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior. Strong men, we have loosed your legal rights to the peoples of the lands of Africa, and we commend you. Come forth! 
in Jesus' name, come out of them, subordinate spirits, out in the name of Jesus Christ, out. We decree in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon thee and to cut you into pieces, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And we declare in Jesus' name the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in the screaming agony where they stand. Alleluia. For greater things than these will they do, because our King Jesus has gone unto the Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, we decree and declare in Jesus' name the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot to encapsulate on all sides, Job 1, 9. All of the peoples of the lands of Africa, even if but for a time, let nothing unclean reenter the clean-swept house. Sustain it, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for the crystal river, the living water, and your abundant grace to descend upon them and to enter them, to fertilize, to soil their hearts therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray and plead before your high, holy, supreme courts of heaven, praise your name, that you will dispatch an untold and innumerable company of angels to descend upon the lands of Africa, to come upon these people in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, to come upon them in open and standing visions of the day, that your glory may shine in their hearts and that they shall see and feel the presence of the man in the white robe. O Lord Jesus, we pray that you will call out upon them in their own native tongue, call them by their name, and allow them to see you and your compassion and to want to run into your arms. Father, we just give you all the glory. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Africa for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power, unhindered to flow freely across these lands and to save souls of the lost. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father God. Amen. Father, we hold up the golden bowl of forgiveness before you. We ask you to pour it out upon every man, woman, and child of every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of South America, from the northern sides of Venezuela to the southern sides of Paraguay. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, from Chile all the way to the opposite side of Brazil and Argentina. Pour out, we pray, Father God, this golden bowl of forgiveness upon every single one of them. Let this holy water touch them and wash away all of their iniquity, all of their sin into a deep blue sea of your forgiveness in Jesus' name. For Father, uh, in Jesus' name, we, we confess of their sins before thee. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We, Father, we break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Wash them clean, even if but for a time, all of the peoples of the lands of South America, even if just for a small period of time, in the name of Jesus, were a breakthrough. In Jesus' name, alleluia. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of South America, we come against you. In the name of Jesus, we decree fire swords of cherubim that shoot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces, we declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and the burn you in the screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Hallelujah. And we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to descend upon you and to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, cast you into the pit, and to wage war against thee such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that, that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior. Strong men, come forth in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Release the peoples of the lands of South America now. Subordinate spirits, out in the name of Jesus, we command it. We cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And we plead in Jesus' name for the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them where they stand. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare your holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to encapsulate on all sides every single man, woman, and child and of every nation, tribe, and of the lands of South America. In Jesus' name, let nothing unclean reenter the clean-swept house. And Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we decree the crystal river, your abundant grace, the living water to enter into their spirit and to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit and the fruit will remain in the name of Jesus. And Father, we plead with your courts for an innumerable company of angels to descend upon the lands of South America to come upon these people in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, Job 33, 14, and 15. Alleluia. And in standing in open visions of the day, we part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of South America for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to descend upon the lands and to come upon these people and to save the lost, the hurting, the downtrodden, the dejected, and even the affluent, all the peoples of the lands of South America, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. And thank you, Father God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We'll see you all next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our souls Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies 
When will your coming be? When will your trumpets sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits the Patiently. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather. We're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free (laughs) 